we'd like to welcome you back to our third and final part of our emergency health alert for April 13th, 2020, uh, also covering current events. And this part is entitled Shocking Historian Exposes Bill Gates' Ties to the Nazis and More. Nearly 2,400 years ago in ancient Greece, Plato discussed the importance of population control. Aristotle advocated the use of abortion and infanticide. These are all godless devils, just so you know. In 1798, an essay on the principle of population was written by Thomas Malthus. He outlined the idea of positive checks, which are diseases, wars, disasters, famines, and genocides. Malthus believed that these things should be utilized to increase the death rate and believed that human misery was an absolute necessary consequence. In 1859, Charles Darwin published The Origin of Species. In it, Darwin only hinted at the implications of human populations, but his cousin, Sir Francis Galton, became obsessed with the idea. In 1883, Galton published Inquiries into Human Faculty and its Development, wherein he wrote that his intention is to touch on various topics more or less connected with that of the cultivation of race, or, as we might call it, with eugenic. The term comes from the Greek word eugenis, of noble birth. In the early 20th century, eugenics became an academic discipline in universities. Organizations were formed and funded to win public support. The Kaiser Wilhelm Institute and the Cold Spring Harbor Institute rejected the idea that all humans are born equal and began selling the idea of cultivating a new master race of noble bloodlines. Planned Parenthood was formed in America by racial eugenics advocate Margaret Sanger. President of IBM, Thomas J. Watson, established a special subsidiary in Poland called Watson Business Machines to assist in the Nazi invasion of Poland. This business continued throughout the war and IBM managed the entire operation from their headquarters in New York. During the Nuremberg trials, the Nazis quoted U.S. Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes in their own defense. They claimed that their eugenics program was being run from the United States. The Nazis were rightly admonished for war crimes, but not Thomas Watson. He went on to create the IBM World Trade Corporation and passed IBM on to his son. His granddaughter ended up marrying Margaret Sanger's grandson. Bill Gates is all these devils are all connected bloodline wise. I mean, they're all it's just always that way. Presidents and this stuff, it's just it never fails. Father worked on the board for Planned Parenthood. I'm sorry, so I said Bill Gates' father worked on the board for Planned Parenthood. And his mother worked on the corporate board for IBM, who oh. Bill partnered with to create Microsoft. Oh. With no medical background, nope. Bill Gates then went on to become the world's foremost pusher of vaccines and population control. Yep. Do you think this is all coincidence? The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funds the WHO, the NIH, the CDC, and the UN. And now he is saying that until we get mass vaccinations... And they're showing a picture of him and his 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 husband melinda 
Uh, I think he probably calls him Mel normally when they're just around the house. This has got to be a guy. There's no way that's not a guy. I mean, it is so flagrantly a guy. <laughs> just, it's laughable. I mean, Michael Obama it looks way more feminine than this cat. I mean, it is so bad. <laughs> just go to three 319 on this video and have a gander. You know, let me know what you think. Or don't, because I, I just don't have time to take all the comments, sorry. ...be able to gather in groups. And which activities, like mass gatherings, uh, may be, in a certain sense, more optional. And so until you're widely vaccinated, those may not uh, come back uh, Ever. at all. The president's coronavirus response team... So no vaccine, no mass gatherings ever again. So no more church. No, unless you want to go underground, which is the way it started out. No more 501c3 because you know the 501c3 churches are going to comply. The ones that the ones that are bucking it are the pastors are being you know thrown in. They're learning that that you know you signed up for this and now you know Caesar's coming to to collect on the chips, man. You know you got it. You got to pay up now and you got to be you got to do as you're told. You can't have that 501c3 corporate status. You can't. We we gave you the right to exist. You got to abide by our guidelines and our rules, even though there's no Bible for that whatsoever are all pushing the Bill Gates vaccination agenda. Dr. Fauci is on the leadership council for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In January of 2017, Anthony Fauci told a crowd at Georgetown University that there would be a surprise outbreak during the Trump presidency. Wow. There is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. Oh, he knows about the surprise outbreak during the Trump administration. Yes, because it was pre-planned, by design, on purpose, ahead of time. And this little devil, because he's a Kabbalist, they have to warn you, he's a Luciferian Kabbalist, he has to warn you ahead of time about what's going to happen to you before it happens in order to make the game square from a satanic Luciferian standpoint. Deborah Burks is a board member for the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria. You mean to promote it? It was founded by the Gates Foundation and known for millions of dollars of fraudulent misuse of funds. <laughs> in October of 2000... So, in, in other words, the biggest slime bags on the planet are the ones giving us satanic morality lessons saying that we're not going to be able to get back to normal until the COVID-19 vaccine comes out. And, and that's the only way we're ever going to have any... kind. But, but again, remember, it's just these satanic little devil minions imposing, trying to impose their will on all of planet Earth. Bill Gates-sponsored Event 201, a simulation that estimated 65 million people killed by coronavirus. Yep. In November of 2019, the Peerbright Institute, funded by Bill Gates, was granted European patent number EP317-2319B1 for a coronavirus vaccine that may be used to treat humans. Today, Dr. Fauci says the virus will keep coming back, and he says the ultimate game changer will be a new vaccine. In Australia, the prime minister is telling people the shutdown will last months, that it's the new normal, and that the only way out of your homes is to accept the vaccine. There is no proof that vaccines are the answer. In fact, 
The CDC admitted in federal court that it does not have studies to support the claim that vaccines do not cause autism. A top UN scientist admitted that vaccines are killing people. It is time to do some hard thinking. Will you allow your government to impose forced vaccinations? For Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. And again, I'd say that the only real hope for the planet to push this agenda forward any is, you know, collectively Christians hitting their knees in prayer and um, when feeling so led fasting and then educating people as much as they can and really, really travailing in prayer to God about this because I don't, you know, if that doesn't happen, I don't see this getting, I mean, it's such a facade. I mean, this is so easy to expose, you know, but when most of the world lieth in the hands of the wicked one like the bible talks about he's going to have them hoodwinked and blinded you know and and so that that's just kind of the situation that we're in right now uh next report massive fraud alert coronavirus recovery bill gives the fed control over 450 billion in secret so who's going to get the money as reported by politico one little notice provision in the recently passed 2.2 trillion cares act provides the federal reserve the federal reserve the privately owned banking yeah that was created in was it 1912 yeah by the federal reserve act yeah with a nice pile of money because they need more money they print out a thinner but they need more 450 billion to be specific that it can do with what with it whatever it pleases and I'm sure it'll be for some good benevolent use. Basically, as long as it's called relief. Not only that, but the Fed will be able to manage these funds with far less oversight. Meaning that it can essentially create a secret slush fund that the Fed board governors can do with it. Whatever they please. Black ops, black budgets, whatever they want to do. So thank you, thank you, President Trump, for letting that go through as well. Um, Twitter CEO Dorsey, Jack Dorsey donates $1 billion to the COVID-19 relief, abortion, and uh, UBI using coronavirus as his cover. Jack is pumping millions into population control. Just like all these guys, Zuckerberg, Facebook, Jack Dorsey, Twitter, Bill and Melinda Gates, all their, you know, pure evil. Jack Dorsey, CEO and co-founder of Twitter, is allegedly shifting $1 billion of his equity into digital payments platform, on called square to the start small llc in a campaign battle to battle covid19 right yeah dorsey announced the decision on his platform twitter by writing i'm moving 1 billion of my square equity or 28 percent of my rel well to this covid19 relief he also noted that after the pandemic slows down the focus will shift to girls health and education you mean girls sterilization through the vaccine programs and abortion girls health means funny will, will go directly toward abortion clinics and U, ubi stands for universal basic income so total dependence on the state which is where they're trying to shift us right now by getting rid of all the jobs you know and the people not being able to pay their rent squeezing us now i'm going to go ahead and play this as well uh new new york icu position new york city now remember this new york city this is where we would have 5g really popping icu physician said we've been operating under a false medical paradigm patients are slowly being starved of oxygen so they're finding that what they were trying to do 
when they were getting these um, really bad COVID-19 patients, the kind they were getting in Wuhan, that it's not working. And again, you have to ask yourself, there's a lot of firsthand reports from doctors similar to this. Are they all lying? Are they all collectively lying? Or some people actually dying from this? Well, they are, okay? Dr. Cameron Kyle Seidel has just brought forward a critical piece of the puzzle in trying to figure out what in the world is happening. All right, so let's go ahead and play this. Not a super long video here. This is Dr. Cameron Kyle Seidel, ER and critical care doctor from New York City. Nine days ago, I opened an intensive care unit to care for the sickest COVID positive patients in this city. In these nine days, I have seen things I have never seen before. In treating these patients, I have witnessed medical phenomenon that just don't make sense in the context of treating a disease that is supposed to be a viral pneumonia. Nine days ago, I presumed I was opening an intensive care unit to treat patients with a virus causing a pneumonia that was ravaging lungs across the world, starting out as something mild, a cough, a sore throat, and progressively increasing in severity until ultimately ending in something called acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS. This is the paradigm that every hospital in the country is working under. This is the disease, ARDS, that every hospital is preparing to treat. And this is the disease, ARDS, for which in the next two to six weeks, 100,000 Americans might be put on a ventilator. And yet, everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. In short, I believe we are treating the wrong disease and I fear that this misguided treatment will lead to a tremendous amount of harm to a great number of people in a very short time. As New York City appears to be about 10 days ahead of the country, I feel compelled to get this information out. COVID-19 lung disease, as far as I can see, is not a pneumonia and should not be treated as one. Rather, it appears as if some kind of viral, it appears as some kind of viral-induced disease, most resembling high-altitude sickness. It is as if tens of thousands of my fellow New Yorkers are on a plane at 30,000 feet and the cabin pressure is slowly being let out. These patients are slowly being starved of oxygen. I have seen- Now, here, remember what I said before about 5G and, and the whole COVID-19 virus thing being very, very, two, two things that really need to be present, ideally, if this is going to take you out, well, what does 5G target? We've talked about this. Targets the oxygen molecules in the body. What are these people starving of? Oxygen. It's like they're 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 all of a sudden they've been taken to 30,000 feet and the doors have been open. There's no oxygen up there. You can't survive on Mount Everest or whatever. What is it like 27,000 feet or I don't know around there? You you I mean you can only do it if you acclimate and only that most hale and hearty can do it. And they can only do it for a very short period of time. So these people are starving of oxygen. That's what 5G targets. The 5G wave spectrum targets that oxygen um, spectrum. So it would make total sense that you combine the two together and they're seeing the symptomatology. Patients dependent on oxygen. He has no clue about that though, this guy. Now, I bet you he sounds like a really cool, nice doctor that would probably, if you set him down, he would probably be open if you could, you know, sit him down and give him get get him with some people that were honest. But again, they're going to try to keep him away from that information. And I've also heard that a lot of the, the hospitals, and particularly in the big cities, are just saturated with 5G. So it's making it far more worse. 
off their oxygen and quickly progress through a state of anxiety and emotional distress and eventually get blue in the face. And while they look like patients absolutely on the brink of death, they do not look like patients dying of pneumonia. I have never been a mountain climber and I do not know the conditions at base camp below the highest peaks in the world. Uh, but I suspect that the patients I'm seeing in front of me uh, look most like as if a person was dropped off on the top of Mount Everest right. without time to acclimate. Yep. Uh, I don't know the final answer of this disease, but I'm and, quite And remember, only the most hale and hearty can acclimate at all at those altitudes. I've watched so many mountain uh, climbing documentaries on both Everest and K2 and a lot of other mountains. And I, I mean, I've <laughs> the acclimation portion, this takes months. Not only does it take... A lot of times, you know, over a hundred grand to climb one of these mountains just to get there, a logistical nightmare, but it takes a lot of times weeks of acclimating yourself to those. And then you have to go up to, to like, let's say there's five base camps. Okay. And then you got to go up to base camp one for a day or two. Then you come down Then you go up and stay for two more days. And then might, you might come down and then, and then you might go up to the next one and you have to acclimate slowly. And it's this progression. But if you were just thrust into that system, you would have no time to acclimate. And, and again, these most of the people that are getting this are probably immunocompromised and have all kind of other risk factors that I've mentioned many other times um, that you, know, you wouldn't have from a mountain climber on Everest who would be healthy. Or that a ventilator is not it. Uh, that is not to say that we don't need ventilators. We absolutely need them. Uh, they are the only way at this time that we are able to give a little more oxygen right. to patients who need it. Right. Uh, but when we treat people with ARDS, uh, we typically use ventilators uh, to treat what's called respiratory failure. Uh, that is, uh, we use the ventilator to do the work that the patient's muscles can no longer do because they're too tired to do it. These patients' muscles work fine. I fear that we are. I fear that if we are using a false paradigm to treat a new disease. Uh, that the method that we program the ventilator, one based on a notion of respiratory failure as opposed to oxygen failure, that this method, and there are a great many number of methods we can use with the ventilator, but this method being widely adopted at this very moment in every hospital in the country, which aims to increase pressure on the lungs in order to open them up, is actually doing more harm than good. And that the pressure we are providing uh, that we are providing to lungs, we may be providing to lungs that cannot stand it, that right. cannot take it, right. and that the ARDS that we are seeing, that the whole world is seeing, may be nothing more than lung injury caused by the ventilator. Wow. Now, I don't know the final answer to this disease. The ventilator is trying to force air into the lungs to the alveoli that are going to uh, provide oxygen exchange in with the bloodstream. But you... What he's saying is the pressure, may, they may just be causing uh, worse problems because it's too much pressure. And the alveoli can't handle it, so they're doing damage to the lungs. Uh, I do sense that we will have to use ventilators. Uh, we will have to use a great many number of ventilators, and we need a great many number of ventilators. But I sense that we can use them in a much safer way. Uh, in a much safer method. Uh, that safer method... Now, there's a video up here, and I haven't clicked on it, but it's it says hyperbaric oxygen therapy versus ventilators for... for re and it's interviewing the same doctor. Um, response to Dr. Cameron Seidel. Now, he's probably going to make a case for hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I think it's great. The problem is, is hyperbaric chambers are much, 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 much rarer than a ventilator. 
Okay, those are things that usually maybe one hospital might have one of them. Okay, basically you, you see hyperbaric oxygen chambers in places like where you have diving accidents and things of this nature. Hyperbaric oxygen chambers are the way we used to live all the time pre-flood, meaning our ancestors, okay? And it's a big reason why our ancestors could live to be 900 plus years, okay? Because when you double or triple the atmospheric pressure and then you double or triple the oxygen, which was what the pre-flood environment was like, then you're going to live a whole lot longer. Not only that, there was a canopy over the over the planet that broke up during the flood. Ken, Ken Hovind does the best explanation on that than anybody I've ever seen. Um, you can look up pre-flood environment Kent Hovind. Uh, Kent has, you know, there's a lot of problems in, with his ministry now. Um, but when he did the presentations on that, it was just mind-blowing to me. And he proved it. He proved it scientifically that when we were, the reason we could live to be like Methuselah 900 plus years is because we had, I believe, double the atmospheric pressure, uh, the oxygen content was about double, and that we had this canopy over, over the planet that filtered out the, um, the UV, a lot of the UV rays that were the things that would produce a lot of free radicals and cause us to age quicker we had those three things dynamics going on and it allowed us to live and grow much bigger we were very we were much larger pre-flood humans were okay and he gets into all that uh in in that particular video but hyperbaric chambers are awesome i mean they are they're the, the problem is, is there's just so very very few of them and i mean real hyperbaric chambers that have hard hard it's like a hard shell i used to have one it was a soft shell and it was one of the ones I was just, I was interested in this for a long time. And I would go in, go in that in, um, it, you know, you could use it for recovery, but you just didn't get the kind of results you're going to get with a hard shell hyperbaric chamber. You, you're just not going to, you can't, you can't achieve the pressures you need to achieve and you can't really achieve the kind of oxygen concentration levels you need to have either. Um, but I love hyperbaric chambers. Uh, you get somebody that's had a spinal cord injury, fresh spinal cord injury, you get them into a hyperbaric chamber, you give them a whole bunch of systemic enzymes, um, and there's a lot of other things you could do for them nutritionally. Oh man, you could have people just totally recovering from spinal cord injuries, but they don't do it because there's no real money in it. They, they'll do it a little bit, they do it with diving accidents and things like that, but it does. it's not something that they do near enough in the medical profession. Again, because it works. And anything that's going to really work, like chelation, IV chelation is something you got to go to an MD to get, but they don't encourage it because it actually cleans out your arteries and it fixes that problem. It fixes arteriosclerosis. Now, if you're eating a garbage diet and you just replaque yourself up, but that takes years typically. But IV chelation, amazing. It's, it's a medical thing. A hyperbaric chamber, just stupendous. Couldn't say enough good about it. Those are just a couple things though. But anyway, let's go further challenges long-held dogmatic beliefs within the medical community and among lung specialists which will not be easy to overcome but I really believe uh, that they must be overcome uh, there are hundreds of thousands of lungs in this country at risk and and the time to overcome them is now uh, I'm confident that if those of us that work bedside with these patients those of us who are witnessing the things that we have never seen before, despite the many years we have worked and the thousands of patients and diseases we have seen, if we can effectively communicate this to all those that are so important but who are not bedside, 
the researchers, the administrators, uh, those who procure our resources and make our protocols, the politicians, our own governments, uh, if we are able to convince them that this is a disease that is different than anything we have ever seen, I'm confident that an answer can be the found. The problem is, is people like Fauci and, and Gates and, and those types of people have no interest in this. They want this to perpetuate. They want it to get worse. They want this to kill the maximum number of people. This guy actually cares about his patients. You can tell he's about ready to break down and cry during this. I mean, it sounds like he's going to, you know, his voice is going to start cracking. And, and listen, I... <sighs> I'll cry like a baby. I'll, I'll watch the wrong commercial. I'll cry like a baby. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not against that at all. I think it's, I think it's good to do that. You know, as as a Christian, especially to be tenderhearted before God. I, I, I like this guy. I have a good feeling about him. You know, but Fauci and them, they don't, they don't have any, any compassion for people. All they care about is the medical pharma cartel and killing the max amount of people and implementing their new world order agenda. This guy actually cares. I wish we had a lot more doctors like him, and, I, and I, I hope that he doesn't suffer massive repercussions for coming out with this video. Uh, that effective treatments can be discovered and that a plan to disseminate that treatment can be rapidly deployed uh, and that tens of thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of lives and lungs will be protected. The time for this is now. We are staring into a future in which a great many of our fellow Americans are going to suffer not to mention people all around the world. Uh, for those of, who will not suffer directly from this disease, from the terrible human cost of this disease, for those who will not lose a family member or a friend, and there will be a great many number of people who will lose those close to them. But for those who don't, uh, they are still going to suffer from the great economic cost of COVID-19. We, we are all involved in this future. Uh, so I urge you, for those of us, for, for if you are out there, for those who work bedside, I urge you to speak up. Uh, we can, we can change this. I thank you all for listening. Please spread the message and stay safe. God bless that guy. I, I just, I have a good feeling about him. <laughs> I, just, I, love, I love that man. Um, next video, doctors and nurses reveal the devastating reality of COVID-19. So here's just some more doctors and nurses. Again, and the, you know, People like Richie from Boston or people like the Fullerton Reformer guy and, and others, they won't look at videos like this. They'll just say, oh, they're paid actors. Well, really, there's been hundreds of these types of types of videos you've seen or hundreds of videos or eyewitnesses reports or the crematoriums going and, and now they're, they, the overhead drone footage of them burying mass bottles on that uh, bodies on Hard Island in, in Brooklyn. I mean, you know, they're all lying. It's just, no, people are dying, but it's just not, it's not to the level the New World Order was hoping for. So yes, they are reclassifying anybody that dies of X amount of things as COVID-19 so they, they can get their numbers up. Sure, sure they are. Um, so let's go ahead and play this next video here. I see EMS stretchers lining down the block jam-packed waiting room filled with 30 to 40 patients next to each other coughing giving COVID-19 to one another there is physically no more room in the emergency room you bring any more patients in then some emergency rooms that is the case okay but not all then you'll see some where they're empty well that's hasn't really hit there okay so you have to look at how many people have actually died from this so far in America if, if we believe their numbers whatsoever 
that's not going to be enough to overwhelm the whole medical system, guys. And we're going to go into that a lot more. I'm going to read you a testimonial from a longtime listener of mine who's a nurse that works at a hospital. And she's going to tell you what's actually her take on this and really give you a lot more clarity on what's going on. You cannot walk. We had a few patients die in the emergency room because the hospital's full. All of these are, are uh, emergency room or nurses. They're, they're interviewed. People who are vulnerable, people who are weak, people who are scared. And I'm not going to lie. They're giving their names and where they work. I'm not going to go over all that, but just so you know, if you want to watch the video, you can see that. I'm scared. You hear about people dying and suffering from it, but it's a whole other thing to see this stuff uh, up close. The proportion of patients that are critically ill, younger, people that look just like us, and older, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. Uh, the morgues are already getting overwhelmed. It just feels like you're standing on the shore looking at a tsunami and the federal government is offering you a life preserver. If you get x-rays every few hours on these patients, you tend to see them get worse in real time. You can actually see those cloudy patches um, increase over the course of one, two, three, four hours. I saw a gentleman in his 70s. Cloudy patches in the lung fields, most likely on some type of x-ray. He looked really well. When I came back the following day to check his chart, he had, he had passed away within the 24-hour period yeah. of time. Uh, you know, they're they're talking to me like and these I, are from physicians all over the country too. This isn't just New York City. This guy's a cardiologist from Louisiana, Muhammad Sayab Panawar. Talking to you, and then a few hours later, they are they go into sudden respiratory arrest. They stop breathing and they need to be intubated. And this is one of the most dramatic things that I've ever seen. So the so let's think about this. The building is on fire. We're all firefighters inside trying to put out this fire, but we're naked, right? Because they didn't protect us. Right. Yeah. You can see the PPE of other countries. PPE is personal protective equipment. They're, they're not being, a lot of the hospitals, they're not even giving it to them. They're having to like, come up with, you know, goggles, full face shields, um, face masks, things that you should have if you're going to work with this type of stuff. Why? Because they're trying to spread it as much as they can, even though I don't think it's killing as many people as Satan and the New World Order were hoping it would kill, at least in America. I think in Wuhan, China, it really took them out because all the, this perfect storm was there. But in America, they want to get a higher death toll. So what they're trying to do is, is limit PPE equipment so that it will spread and that the emergency room physicians and the nurses and all them will get it and then there's nobody to treat the, the COVID-19 people. Chemical suits and we are wearing trash bags. I was told that if I had to intubate anyone, um, I would be using a sheet protector with two industrial sized paper clips and clipping that to my goggles that we were given. Did you feel safe wearing that? Absolutely not. <laughs> we feel like guidelines are changing not because science recommends they change, but because we just need people and we need warm bodies in the ER. This is very distressing to me because I don't know if this is going to be the next shift that I go in and I get the virus. There's, there's nothing that differentiates any of us from the people who become devastatingly sick. 
Um, and and that is uh, that's scary. I thought I, I disagree with that though because there's a lot of risk factors that set you up to get this. And again, if you just have a strong, strong functioning immune system, but they're not taught that in, in medical college or nursing college, you're going to go a long, long way to prevent this from ever getting into the system. And even if you do contract it, your body's going to most likely be able to beat it off, you know. But the, again, there's a lot of other factors that go into that. It's just out of shape and totally tired from the anxiety of everything that had been going on so quickly. And then I started getting a cough. I was... COVID positive, there's a sense of anxiety around the idea that, oh my God, this is positive, and knowing that the disease course is unpredictable. One of my colleagues um, had the disease, and we found out that he passed away uh, a week from yesterday, so that's been difficult, and that made it all seem too real. Everyone's talked about their contingency plans if they did get sick. We've talked about who gets our pets, which is somewhat of an easier discussion than who gets your children. If all of us are calling out sick, there are no more doctors left, there are no more nurses left. I intubated a nurse the other day right. from COVID-19. We're gonna be faced with this decision of We've got two patients that need to go on a ventilator or they'll, or they'll die. We have one ventilator. Which one's going on the ventilator? The idea of splitting a ventilator is, is a little contentious right now. If you split one ventilator for two people, you've now taken a tool that gives someone optimal chances of survival and taken that and split that in half. So now two people have suboptimal chances of survival. Are you going to put both of those people in that suboptimal tool, risking both of them, um, or are you gonna choose? I definitely did not go into the practice of medicine to play God, and nor do I want to. I just want to treat people as best I can and take care of as many as I can. How are they going to live with the guilt after all of this, knowing that if they'd had an equipment that could have saved somebody's life, they would have used it, but because they didn't, they watched somebody die, and they chose person A over person B. There was one of my colleagues um, told me this this amazing story where he was talking to a patient who was um, infected. He's talking to this patient and saying, look, would, if this escalates quickly, would you want a breathing tube? Would you want to be on life support? And the patient said, absolutely, I would want that. And then the patient paused and said, but if someone else needs it, give it to them. The intensive care unit is a busy place pre-COVID. What's different now is that we don't have any visitors in the whole hospital. The worst part about COVID-19 is that patients die alone <clears throat> without their families by their side. Just imagine that you're dying alone and you're not able to say goodbye one last time to your parent, grandparent, son, daughter, friend, or really anybody you, you care about. I seriously starting to think that this is really starting to take a toll on me. Um, between seeing people die and like having to work 12, 13, 14 hour shifts, it's like really taking a toll on me now. People are getting tired and worn out and unfortunately this is just the very, very start of this thing. I 
am in a lot of moral distress because I'm not able to help patients the way that I'm accustomed to. I'm simply just trying to mentally stay well enough to take care of them and keep, keep them alive. So that has been a very great moral dilemma for me. You know, it's just a matter of time before I hear that one of my good friends has passed away because of this, because they were working on the front lines. And that's what terrifies me. And now we've all, all kind of resigned ourselves to this is, this is what we do. So we have that. Um, again, I'm, I'm trying to give you as balanced of a of an approach here, you know, uh, as we can. Uh, and this is that comment, listener comment on empty hospitals and waiting rooms explained by someone who works in a hospital. Longtime listener of mine. Now, my comment before that, you know, when I when I had gotten this this email, I said I just got a text from my good friend and longtime listener Greg, the one that. You, him and I go out and pray together on a death of a COVID-19. Well, it's not a death yet. He's evidently on death's doorstep still, but from a COVID-19 of a close friend of their family that is that is imminent. Um, my daughter, Taylor, had a co-worker she knew personally whose aunt died from COVID-19. That was a couple weeks ago. And this has all happened in the last couple weeks. I just received this from a longtime listener who's a nurse. To add to what is said below, it is also commonly being reported that uh, when many have tried to go to the hospital or medical centers to be tested, they're being refused to be tested, so they'd be turning right back around and leaving. Okay, now, so let's listen to longtime listener, uh, uh, Patricia, and um, she says, Hi, Dr. Scott, I worked at a hospital. I work in a hospital on the East Coast. I've worked in hospitals for much of my career. Hospitals have always been the most dangerous place to be during any and all pandemics throughout of all of recorded history. Period. End of discussion. That being said, I believe many hospitals, particularly in the West, i.e. U.S., Canada, and Western Europe, are doing their best to not be dangerous breeding grounds that they have the potential to be. All modern Western hospitals have pandemic plans in place and all employees get training on them every single year. Right now, every hospital I am aware of is implementing these plans and modifying them, specifically to address COVID-19. I am in a meeting about COVID-19 every morning. I am not in management. They are giving us information for the day and modifying it as policy changes. We are not doing, this is the most important part I think of the whole thing that she's saying. We are not doing elective procedures or any other procedure that is considered not that is considered elective but the timing can be delayed in western countries elective procedures or procedures that you don't that don't have to be done immediately accounts for most of our business let that sink in this reason alone can account for the empty parking lots and the empty waiting rooms most of the business of most hospitals are elective procedures that's not being done. All that's gone. So it's freed up, you know, this large swath of the hospitals. And that alone can account. And I, I mentioned this, I was speculating on that. I said, I said, oh, I know is, is that if I was going in for some elective procedure right now, if the doctor told me not to postpone it, I'd postpone it because I wouldn't want to get some nosocomial infection 
of COVID-19 going in there, meaning you're going to catch it from going to the hospital, essentially. It only makes sense. No, they're, they're not doing them. So remember, like, okay, it's like they're saying 20,000 have died. That's not, when you take away all the elective procedures, that is not going to be enough to overwhelm all the hospitals. Now, there are some hospitals, like probably in New York City, where that, where that would be the case, where they are, the emergency rooms are overwhelmed, at least at times. So I thought that was very, very, very important to go over that because she's got insight that I don't have. I did speculate about that um, and she confirmed it. So then it goes on to say, we are strictly controlling all entrances to the hospital and who comes in them. So just not any Tom, Dick, or Harry is going to be able to walk into the hospital. That's another thing that's going to limit people. Visitors to the hospital are also limited. You can't go see your COVID-19. So that's going to be another huge swath of people that don't come into the hospital. Because remember, like the one doctor was saying, they're, all, they're dying alone. You can't go see your, your loved one before they die. You can't even go. So... There's another huge swath of people that that are not going to the hospitals. Uh, let's go further here. Uh, take that into account when you see empty parking lots. Also, people have been whipped into a frenzy of fear by the media and are not coming to the hospital for treatment they would normally get. They have chosen to suffer at home. There's another big swath of people that aren't going. Okay, Th This is an important factor in empty ER waiting rooms and empty ER parking lots. <sighs> But see, when you have somebody like the Fullerton Informer or, or, or um, Richie from Boston, that when they when they see the empty parking lots, oh, that fits my narrative. So I'm going to jump all over that like a cheap suit, like white on rice. You know, I'm all over that thing because it fits my narrative that I'm pushing, that it's all fake. It's all a hoax. Nobody's died. That's what we're seeing. Ah. Uh. Going further. Uh, what you need to know about the ER is most of the patients in the ER are not having an emergency. Many poor people go to the ER for basic medical care. How many illegal aliens show up there to use it that way? That probably aren't showing up now. You know, to suck the resources out of the state. Probably a lot. Anyone who has worked in an ER or works in an auxiliary department that services the ER will tell you this. ERs are pretty empty, usually on days like Christmas and Easter and big sporting events like the Super Bowl and on days when the weather is really nice. It's an ongoing joke we tell ourselves. So many of those patients are choosing to stay at home right now and suffer with whatever they're suffering from rather than risk going out. Internet consultation is being used extensively as well. Well, there's another big swath of people that would normally be going in, but they're doing it on the Internet. I've given, she's already given you so many reasons for empty. Now, if it was killing, if it was, let's say it was killing 10 million. No, no. Well, then, then you would, you'd really see it. It'd be like Wuhan, China. Okay. Where people are, are were driving down the road and, and there was lines of people waiting to get into the hospital for block after block after block because it was the perfect storm kill zone area for all the reasons I mentioned, particularly in the last study. We don't have all those same dynamics at play in America. Not yet, but they're trying to get the five, they're, they're installing the 5G kill grid for the kiddies and in the other places for when they go back to school under the cover of darkness. Going forward, um, 
on the subject of the empty, empty COVID-19 units, every hospital does and publishes a daily census report, but they look at the numbers of beds filling up very closely. In the case of empty COVID-19 units, I promise you, when they see that unit starting to fill up, they will call a meeting and start implementing Plan B before it is totally full. Our hospital does not have any COVID-19 patients, but we are, we are near an area where it is breaking out and we are gearing up for it. Hospitals are still businesses and they must be able to cover their costs and the unbelievable amount of lost revenue due to all of this. And in the case of my employer, most of the staff is working fewer than normal hours than they would be scheduled. Are, I mean, yeah, I mean, you would have all these tons and tons less people coming into your hospital. Less because of all the factors that she just mentioned. Uh, our hours throughout the entire hospital where I work have been cut in every department, including direct patient caregivers. In my department alone, only three persons, to the best of my knowledge, are working their full-time number of hours. I work in a department that is essential to patient care, and I've never seen this happen in any hospital that I've ever worked in. Everything you've reported on about what uh, the hospitals are doing right now is true and correct. Based on my experience... And again, a lot of it was my just speculation. I was trying to just think this thing out and just like, okay, let's just use a little common sense here. And, uh, what's going on? I'm speculating. And she's saying that, that um, I guess I was right. Uh, in fact, my employer is actually taking the correct, uh, is taking stricter measures than you have reported on including restricting our employees' ability to travel, putting those who do travel outside of a certain prescribed area on home quarantine for 14 days. Yes, there are persons in my department who are on at home quarantine right now as I write. Uh, also, we are having a critical shortage of masks, gowns, and other PPE personal protection items. Isn't that what those, those people just said in those videos? Now, I don't know any of them. I know Patricia. I've known her for years. Okay, long time listener. Now she sent this uh, six days ago, just so you know the, the time range. So as far as where they're at right now with what she's doing, I don't know whether they're starting to get the COVID-19. I don't know, but um, let's see here. Okay, so again, to reiterate what was said in that video, a critical shortage. They're, they're not even seeing COVID-19 patients yet, but they're already in critical shortage of masks, gowns, and other PPE. Yeah, because when they, when they do start getting those patients, they want them to be as least protected as possible. So as many as nurses and doctors will get infected. So that not only they'll get infected and spread it, but then also there'll be nobody to take care of the sick patients, which will then further drive the numbers up and create more havoc and panic that's why this is such a satanic agenda on so many levels. It's just amazing. I mean, it's, it's insanely, evilly amazing, but it's it's horrible. These items are backordered, and we are having to take extreme measures. I have never seen... Uh, I have never seen in my life... Uh, I have never seen taken in my life to get these items. I guess she means that she's never um, seen... It is hard in her life to get these items. We are now sterilizing and re reusing some of these items. Masks in particular. How do you sterilize like an N95 mask? Ugh, man. No, I'm not asking her that. I'm just saying that does not sound sanitary. Uh, going further, we are also getting the community at large 
to make us these items. I know there's a community, there's there's a guy right now in, um, I don't know, Conover, Hickory, where I live, and he's, oh, he was making some type of, I don't know, arm sleeve, and they're converting it into a, they're converting their factory into making the masks, and the masks are impregnated with copper. Copper is also highly antibacterial, antiviral. It's, it's, it's like silver. I'm not going to say it's as good. But, man, if you could have, like, you know, some type of... Well, like I said, you could take the mass and spray them with silver. Spray them with, like, a colloidal silver and then, like, a thieves spray. That would absolutely knock down uh, viral bacterial type of loads because even if it gets impregnated into the mask, let's say COVID, it's going to kill it. But he's actually making a, a mask that has copper embedded into it. So, yeah, they could do all kind of stuff like that. Um, let's see here. We're, we have made public what we need and the, spe the specifications of these masks, and we will use these homemade items. I mean, they're having to use homemade items, and they're not even seeing any COVID-19 victims yet. You can imagine what the other hospitals are suffering with. The one guy was like, yeah, to take like a sheet, a, a sheet protector that you could see through and, and clip it to my goggle, my garbage goggles, because it showed his goggles. They were like the kind you get from Harbor Freight. And with, with paper clips. Seriously? We're the, we're like the whatever bastion of, of, of medical? Well, no. Again, by design, on purpose. So that the maximum number of nurses and doctors and healthcare workers will be infected. Guaranteed. That's why they're doing it. There's also a critical shortage of nasal collection kits used to collect COVID-19 and other upper respiratory specimens. You should have seen what we went through to get these items. And these items are now carefully controlled. If you cannot collect and transport these specimens, you cannot send them off for testing. I mean, this is just insanity. And again, I'm, I'm trying to get through all this information in time. F, the next one is FDA, FTC hit Alex Jones Infowars with warnings over coronavirus claims related to silver products. It's time to challenge the FDA's speech tyranny um both the fda and the ftc are on the war path issuing strong warning letters to several companies they say are promising silver products as treatments for cures or for the coronavirus covid19 and they're not they're not making claims of cure i've listened to enough alex jones to know he's not doing that but they're gonna you know they're gonna say he is i'm not saying he's perfect but you know he's not doing that in just the last two days both infowars free speech systems llc and genesis 2 church of health and healing have been hit with strong warning letters that demand they stop making coronavirus treatment claims for their products in the case of infowars the products are silver-based consumer health products such as toothpaste and mouthwash i mean come on i mean i know they've got a really weak nano silver i'm not big on nano really anything guys i'm just you know with the nanotech all the stuff i've done about nano it's just not good it's it's not something i would mess with they're using it a lot with you know beast technology type of stuff so i, I kind of stay away from it for genesis 2 church of health the product is mms which is chlorine dioxide now i've used that stuff extensively um and I have a file on it if you want me to send it to you. If you're going to do it, just be careful with it. I'm not really a big advocate of it. Uh, I've had some really bad experiences with it personally. And um, personally, I never saw it be the whatever that it claimed to be. Um, but, you know, if you're convinced and you, you're doing it, I'm just saying there's parameters you should be abiding by if you do it. And um, 
I have a, you can email me and I'll, I'll send you my file on it. In both cases, the FDA has teamed up with the FTC to issue these letters, underscoring the intensity of their effort to try and halt the sales of products that don't enrich big pharma. Of course. These regulatory threats are raising questions of why the FDA and the FTC claim the right to suppress truthful free speech when no law passed by Congress has granted the FDA or the FTC power to supersede the First Amendment. If the speech when about nutritional supplements is truthful, why is it illegal under FDA rules which are self-written and subject to no oversight by Congress or voters? Notably, it is not illegal to sell silver-based products in the United States as silver is used in popular bandage products as well as recognizes having antibacterial properties when used topically. Well, they use it in the burn wards too. Silver creams and things like that in burn wards. You know, it has tremendous healing properties. It is, however, a violation and you can make your own cream with the, the involved mild silver protein. It's called AG cream. AG is on the periodic chart. It stands for silver. Okay. And all you do is you take some aloe vera preferably if you have like an aloe vera gel that's organic that doesn't have anything else in it and you just add drops of the 5,000 part per million silver into the aloe vera gel until it starts to kind of liquefy and then there you have your ag cream now that's not the strongest way to apply it obviously the strongest way to do it would be just straight just straight over the the but if if you're in an area where there's sensitive skin and that, but of course, the silver's so mild, though, it really doesn't tend to irritate skin at all, like iodine would. But I'm just saying, if you were in a set, you could, you, you could make AG cream, which is really good for a lot of different applications. But Invibe doesn't sell that cream. You have to make it yourself. You can make it from 2000 as well. Just not going to be as strong, okay? And again, you're not going to hurt yourself ever putting the, the 5000 on the skin straight either. I've never hurt anybody. I mean, it's it's it's... You know, it's very, uh, it's very, very mild as far as um, that goes. So going further, um, it is, however, a violation of the FDA's slanted interpretation of rules to sell silver products along with claims that they treat COVID-19. Can't remember, you can't claim you're treating anything. If you're using any kind of national natural health product, I can't claim to treat anything. Okay. I, I mean, basically what I, <laughs> I like to say is, is if it were me, this is what I'd do. But I can't say, you know, we're treating anything. Um, going forward here, when that occurs, the FDA says the seller is making a fraudulent health claim or selling unapproved drugs, even when the seller never claimed they were drugs. Remember, the FDA still claims there's no such thing as vitamin food, vitamin, mineral, or food or nutrient that can prevent or cure, cure any disease, of course. You know, because we all know that health comes through drugs. That's absurd. We all know it. For example, scurvy is a disease of a vitamin C deficiency and can be cured with vitamin C. I would use a whole food vitamin C, preferably, or one that's in some type of food base at least. Similarly, a disease known as rickets is caused by vitamin D deficiency and can be cured with vitamin D. Yet such claims are never allowed to be made by those who are marketing such nutritional solutions along with those um, because, you know, you can't do that. You can't claim that's, even though it's a physiological fact that's in textbooks, you still can't, can't claim it at all, you know, because you can only drug your body into good health. That makes sense. As we have repeatedly pointed out in our own articles, nothing has been clinically tested to treat, prevent, or cure Wuhan coronavirus or COVID-19. Well, clinically tested, okay, I'll give you that, okay, whatever. But, again, I've given you my opinion on 
<laughs> there are many promising candidates for such treatments, such as hydroxychloroquine. But again, please see the warning I gave on hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, and quinine in the last teaching I did, part two, okay, two days ago, because that can be potentially life-saving because those drugs have some serious potential side effects, okay? And personally, I just don't think the the risk is worth it unless that's all you got and you're really in bad shape. And you gotta at least do it with zinc on top of it, okay? But again, see part two of that teaching. It, it would have been for uh, April, I don't know, 11th or 10th or something on contendingfortruth.com. Uh, and I did put the PDF PDF up for it, so you can check everything that I set out. I, I didn't cover every single side effect, but the side effects for hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, and quinine are can be horrific, uh, as with uh, so many drugs. Uh, yet to this day, virtually the entire medical industry and the, and the pharma-funded corporate media routinely claim a coronavirus vaccine will be a cure. And again, it's it's the it's the unicorn. It's the magic unicorn that's going to fix everything that hasn't even been developed yet. But it's going to cure everybody. And it's the only way we'll be able to go back to, to any kind of normalcy in the world. Uh, even when no such vaccine even exists. No clinical trials have been conducted whatsoever. Yet the entire establishment repeatedly claims the coronavirus will be safe and effective. Claims the coronavirus vaccine will be safe and effective despite the lack of a single shred of evidence to support such claims cnn which is largely funded by big pharma and therefore has direct financial ties to the vaccine industry hasn't received a warning letter from the fda or the ftc to stop making unproven marketing claims about a future coronavirus vaccine well of course not nor has msnbc or for that matter dr fauci himself why isn't bill gates receiving warning letters for making false claims about vaccines that stand to generate a windfall of profit for his various companies and organizations hey he's only got seven seven vaccine companies working on this now the answer is that no vaccine exists yet and therefore vaccine propagandists are allowed to make whatever unscientific unproven claims they wish without any limits but boy anybody that's got any kind of thing naturally that's going to support the immune system you better keep your stinking mouth shut if you know what's good for you they are pre-selling the coronavirus vaccine with lies and fraudulent claims, yet the FDA is silent. In truth, we all know the vaccine will be more deadly than the coronavirus itself. All attempts at making a SARS vaccine, for example, were disaster that resulted in mass fatalities of the animal test subjects. And they're going to skip animal trials, I bet. That's what they were talking about doing. No animal, no animal trials. Probably very limited human trials that will be skewed beyond belief. And then they're going to release it on the public vaccine or, or microchip included m what was the mrna type of vaccine that they failed at over and over again that will totally change your genetic code oh yeah satan on a stick oh yeah yeah it's gonna help you oh yeah mm -mm -mm. good stuff good stuff um so in truth we will know the vaccine will be more deadly than the coronavirus itself uh, the truth is both the FDA and the FTC have no limits on the wild quack science claims they are routinely made about vaccines, even though such vaccine efforts rake in billions of dollars in grant money and retail profits. Um, oh, even when such vaccines efforts rake in billions of dollars of grant 
money in vaccine profits. Vaccines are never subjected to the same regulatory scrutiny as vitamin C. Even though vitamin C is safe, natural substance, while vaccines are artificial concoctions laced with neurotoxins, such as MS, MSG, monosodium glutamate, which is an excitotoxin, formaldehyde, which is an embalming fluid, aluminum, we've talked a lot about that, and mercury, which is beyond toxic, beyond belief in certain cases. When it comes to scientific evidence supporting nutritional supplements, there will never be a large-scale clinical trial of vitamins, minerals, or natural substances such as silver, since those products don't enrich the big pharma cartels, and because they're natural, they cannot be patented, and because they actually fix the problems. They don't have any. They want reoccurring revenue. Drugs create reoccurring revenue because typically they don't fix the problem. They set you up for further whatever you're trying to battle. I mean, like insulin. You take insulin, then your own pancreas says, well, I'm getting all I need. I might as well shut her down. Thyroid, take your thyroxin. Well, whatever little I'm producing, I'm going to shut it down. So you become totally dependent on the drugs. That's how most drugs operate. That's just a couple little examples. Uh, let's see here. The FDA is not a neutral party in all this. They represent financial interests of the pharmaceutical industry, and they deliberately set very high financial barriers for clinical trials that prohibit smaller companies from being able to fund them. The far bigger fraud is big pharma in the vaccine industry. Far bigger on a scale of, you know, Magilla Gorilla in a room compared to, like, a church mouse. I mean, you know, it's, there's no comparison What's my take on all this? This is from uh, Mike Adams. I think it's wrong for anyone to state that their products can treat or cure COVID-19 given that no such research has been conducted or concluded. I understand what he's saying, though. I get it. At the same time, both FDA and FTC allow drug makers and vaccine makers to make outrageously false and misleading claims for their own products that are based on cherry-picked rigged science that's funded and shaped by the drug companies themselves. For the FDA and the FTC to accuse anyone else of engaging in fraudulent practices, it's like, it's the pot calling the kettle black. They first need to examine the big pharma frauds that are far more dangerous to society and literally kill 100,000 plus Americans every year on record. And that's probably very conservative. Um, this came out of Mercola, Dr. Mercola, uh, about six days ago, five days ago. Vitamin C and D finally adopted as coronavirus treatment. Now, I don't know how he can say treatment, but I'll, I'll let this, I'll, I'll go over this. Remember last year that the Washington Post reporters were boldly declaring that vitamin C and D could not and should not be used against respiratory infections. <laughs> no, whatever you do, don't use those. The information I was sharing about their use was deemed so dangerous to the public health that I was branded as fake news site by a self-appointed pharma-owned arbiters of truth like NewsGuard. This is Dr. Mercola talking. How, uh, how times have changed. Who is an MD? After having de defamatory lies published about me, vitamin C and D are finally being adopted in the conventional treatment of novel COVID uh, coronavirus, um, COVID-19. That just goes to show you that when push comes to shove, the truth eventually prevails. When a medicine cabinet is empty and doctors have limited options, suddenly the basics become viable again. And that is good news, indeed, as it's likely to save thousands of lives while keeping healthcare costs down. Vitamin C treatment implemented for coronavirus infection, as reported in the New York Post, March 20, 24, 2020, 
seriously sick coronavirus patients in New York State, state's largest hospital system, are being given massive doses of C. Um, Dr. Andrew G. Weber, a pulmon pulmonologist and critical care specialist affiliated with two Northwell Health facilities on Long Island, said his intensive care patients with coronavirus immediately receive 1,500 milligrams of intravenous vitamin C. That's really not that much. 1,500. That's like one and a half tablets of my vitamin, my Bio-C product, Biotics. Um, not really that big a dose is what I'm saying. Identical amounts of the powerful antioxidants are then readministered three or four times a day. Now, you can reproduce this by just taking it orally. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get... Here's the difference, though. They're giving you straight ascorbic acid. Most likely, it's GMO garbage, and I'm sorry, but that's what it is. Mine is not ascorbic acid, it's not GMO, and it's in a food base. And you can simulate the same thing by just taking doses throughout the day. If you think you're, you've been exposed, you know, you could do a tablet every couple hours. Or maybe a couple tablets every few hours if you want. You're going to simulate a steady state in the bloodstream if you do it that way. And that's one of the best ways to get things like vitamin C into the system because they are water-soluble. And they do tend to go out of the system quickly. Whereas vitamins A, D, E, and K are fat-soluble vitamins. And you have to be a little more careful with them because you can take too much of them because they're fat-soluble. They stay in the system a lot longer. The body just doesn't excrete them like it would vitamin C. Um, let's go forward here. Let's see here. The regimen is based on treatments administered to people with the coronavirus in Shanghai, China. Like, like we had said before, they were curing it in Shanghai, China, the coronavirus, but the information was suppressed. The patients who received vitamin C did significantly better than those who did not get the C, he said. It helped a tremendous amount. Okay, so, well, praise the Lord. According to Dr. Ronald Huntinghake. Now, that's a, that's a last name, Huntinghake, an internationally recognized expert on vitamin C who has personally supervised tens of thousands of intravenous vitamin C administrations. Vitamin C is definitely a very underutilized modality in infectious diseases and considers it really a premier treatment for infections. Now, here's the thing. Again, they're using the GMO, garbage, ascorbic acid, vitamin C, but they're still getting results. Uh, one of the things I will say, though, is that how many people are actually going to really have access to that, especially if the chips are down and you've got emergency? Let's say they were doing this in all the hospitals. Still, you're going to run into, granted, you're going to probably be helping people a lot quicker. Of course, I can't claim that. But the, the, the thing is, is how many people are you realistically going to be able to treat in a hospital setting as opposed to just giving them the C orally and telling them to take it every couple hours? And then, whoa, what if you add in zinc? And what if you add in some good calcium? I'm talking, I guess even if they're using garbage zinc and garbage calcium, I mean, they're still gonna, you're still gonna get, you know, absorption from it. It's not gonna be like in a food base and a better form, but it's better than nothing. And then what if you add in a little bit of iodine and then a little bit of selenium and these things? Oh man, now you're, you're, success rate just went right through the roof and you're here's what you're not going to have to do you're not going to have to mega dose on any one particular thing and put all your eggs in that one basket in order to get results because the body will take all these different things that help the immune system 
And it'll, it, and if you give your body a little bit of everything, the body says, oh, I like this. I've got a lot to choose from. I've got variety here. All these things help my immune system. I like this. I like having selenium and iodine and usable calcium and usable vitamin C and D3 all at my disposal. The body's saying this. And wow, I'm going to be able, I'm going to be a lot more efficient because I have all these things at once as opposed to just giving somebody a gigantic mega dose of vitamin C, which invariably will cause massive diarrhea because that's what it does. And so I'm trying to get you to understand how I approach alternative medicine. I'd even mention silver. <laughs> Got that in. It's, it's, it's that easy. It is. And again, I'm not claiming treatment. I'm not. I'm just trying to give the body what it needs so it can it use its own God-giving healing abilities to do the job that God created it to do. I give God all the praise and the glory. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's all we're talking about here. So um, then in my March 17, 2020 interview with Dr. Andrew Saul, and all these are linked here if you want to know more, editor-in-chief of the Orthomolecular Medicine News Service, he mentions being in contact with the South Korean medical doctor who is giving patients and medical staff an injection of, ooh, it's a lot, 100,000 IUs of vitamin D along with as much as 24,000 milligrams or 24 grams of IV vitamin C. So they're getting 100,000 IUs of D and guaranteed it's the, you know, just your straight synthetic vitamin D. I hope it's D3 at least. And then 24 grams of probably GMO ascorbic acid C. He's reporting that these people are getting well in a matter of days. So even with the garbage stuff, they're getting better in a matter of days. Now, granted, this is IV, so it's getting into the system quicker. Um, but again, how doable is that for if you had, like, let's say, worst case, or half the planet was infected? You're, you're going to only be able to treat a fraction. Whereas you could mass produce these other things that I talked about, you know, the zinc, the D3, the I, you can mass produce all that even in garbage forms. And listen, I'm not telling you, I'm giving you, like when I'm selling you stuff, I'm giving you quality, okay? But I'm saying for mass production on a world scale, and I'm trying to be realistic here, even if you did that, you would have unbelievable success rates. It's my opinion. That's my opinion, you know, disclaimer. Um, so... I mean, 100,000 I use a D. Now, I can understand doing that once, but boy, 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 you got to be real careful with, with that much fat-soluble vitamin all at once, 100,000. And the ones I sell are 5,000 international units. And granted, but if you if you get somebody that doesn't have, like their D3 levels are just like through the floor, not through the roof, through the floor, they're horribly low. They've got nothing in their body. They got no zinc. They got no, they got no C and you, you can't make C in the body. Only animals can do that. Well, I understand giving a mega dose to try to save somebody's life, but you just wouldn't want to do that kind of dosage day after day. Cause that's a lot of fat soluble vitamins. Okay. And 24 grams of, if you tried to take 24 grams of vitamin C, if you, t if you spaced it throughout the day and it was a good form, um, depending on how big the person was, you might be able to avoid diarrhea. You might. But then again, that's the worst thing that's going to happen. As opposed to, you know, the alternative. 
Um, so that, you know, just throwing these things in there as explained by Saul, vitamin C at extremely high doses acts as an antiviral drug. Now, I don't know why he's calling it a drug. Maybe that's his medical mindset, but it's not a drug, but it acts as a extremely potent. I think a better choice would be it would act as an extremely potent antiviral. Nothing helps my, my immune, my immune system personally more than vitamin C, like in a food base, nothing, nothing. Okay. Remember, the colloidal silver acts as a secondary immune system in the body, but it doesn't really do a ton. It does a little, it does some to feed your own immune system, but it doesn't like, it can't provide it like calcium. Calcium is what the white blood cells will use to propel themselves to the bad guys in the body. It'll use that a usable form of calcium. Calcium bicarbonate is actually in the bloodstream, usable calcium. Um, you can take all the silver in the world. It's not going to give you that calcium. You can take all the silver in the world. It's not going to bring your vitamin C levels up. So again, I'm taking this very balanced approach and I tend to use the C only when necessary, or I'm sorry, the, um, the silver only when necessary. If nothing else, it's the most expensive product I have. And I'm trying to save my, my, my patients, not my patients, but my, my customers, my listeners money on it. Um, now for some people, they just, they just thrive off the silver and they feel like they need it every day a little bit and that's just them i feel like i need c every day but i don't feel like i need the silver but i do feel like i need the silver a couple dropperfuls twice a week is good for me helps keep candida levels down uh in the bloodstream and trust me most of us are walking around with candida colonies in our bloodstreams i did live blood cell analysis when i was first in practice uh dark field microscopy and every single patient I examined had colonies of candida flocculating in their bloodstreams. It's a fascinating science. It's, and it's, you can't argue with it. It's like you show the patient what your blood looks like live. It literally, you put it on a slide and you have this special microscope you're looking at and you, and you put it on the, the TV screen and say, here's the candida colonies. Here's the Rolay formation of the red blood cells. They're stacking because you're probably not getting enough exercise. Those are like the two most common things I saw on, on, the, from what I remember, this was back in the early, um, yeah. I don't know, 93, 94, 95 in that area. Um, so anyway, that's just a little extra there. Um, let's see here. He says it, it, his words, vitamin C is extremely high doses, acts as an antiviral drug, actually killing viruses. Well, it's, it's more giving the immune system what it needs in order to do its job to kill the viruses, okay? While it does have an anti-inflammatory activity, which helps prevent the massive cytokine storm cascade associated with severe SARS COVID-2 uh, infection. So there's from a whole bunch of medical doctors you've heard from. I've been playing. I've been giving you medical, 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 straight from the medical community, nurses, doctors, you know, and, and I like being able to do that when we can get in lockstep. I wish that the alternative healthcare could get in lockstep with the, the medical, uh, because they've got tools I don't have. I don't have all their million dollar diagnostic testing. Man, you give me blood tests, you give me stuff like that. Oh man, I'm all over stuff. All over stuff whenever anybody comes to me. But I don't have all that multi-million dollar testing ability and I don't take patients anymore anyway. I can't, I don't, just don't have time. But I'm telling you, when I when I had that stuff in practice and I'm, I'm able to look at, I've got 
manuals right now that break down all the stuff that can go wrong in blood tests, just most of the stuff and what it means from a nutritional standpoint, because that's what it means. It doesn't mean you're deficient in a drug when you have certain things out of alignment, like albumin high or, or, or whatever globulins or white blood cell. It's typically some type of nutritional thing going on, or maybe a liver detox that's needed or something like that. It's not because you need this drug, maybe to get you out of the woods short term, but long term, you can't drug your body into good health. Okay, and here's another one. How hydrogen peroxide can help prevent COVID-19. Again, from Mercola, hydrogen peroxide, H2O2, consists of a water molecule with an extra oxygen atom, which is why it's H2O2 instead of H2O, which is water. The oxygen inactivates viral pathogens by breaking down the viral structure. I do a little bit of hydrogen peroxide in my mouth in the morning, food grade, about, you know, three to five percent, little, I don't know, 10, 10 drops in my mouth, let it just sit in there, kills all, you know, it's going to kill all the germs and stuff, whitens your teeth too, it's peroxide, you know, um, and to prevent an infection from taking hold, begin treatment at the first signs of symptoms, commercially available, now, I'm going to give you what I would do. And he, he, he mentions it commercially available in a pinch commercially available. 3% hydrogen peroxide can be used for this purpose and can be used without dilution for 15, 10 to 15 minutes, four times a day until your symptoms are relieved. Okay. To, to perform this treatment, you need two items, a nebulizer. Now I gave my nebulizer recommendation in the last teaching. Let me repost it here again. So you'll have it in this PDF. Okay, so what I did, and this is gonna, this is the last thing I'm covering. Uh, what I did is I reposted the information from last week uh, that I posted on, because I've had so many people over the years ask me about nebulizer recommendations. And for a long time, you had to have a prescription to get a nebulizer. And, um, you know, and then they came out where you can now buy them, like on Amazon and stuff like that. So, um, I put my recommendations for how to use the 100 part per million and five mouths over protein with a nebulizer. Okay. Now you could alternate the two if you wanted. Well, okay. What if you don't even have 100 part per million? Now you can make that. If you have 5,000, you can make it, you dilute it. And I, I tell you how to dilute it here as well. But let's say you don't have it. Let's say you have a nebulizer and all you got is hydrogen peroxide and you feel like you got COVID-19. Okay, and let's say, and I mean, I'm, ta I'm talking like you don't have access to anything I've really, really talked about, okay? Okay, well, here's what I do. I, I mean, I'm, and I, I'm, this is like, this is not the best, but I would still try to get those nutrients, even if they were synthetic, even if you got to go to a drugstore to get them, they're better than nothing. The, the nutrients and the vitamins that I mentioned. And then you might want to do a treatment like this with the hydrogen peroxide, 3%. You can do it straight 3%. You, um, you need two items, a nebulizer with a face mask that covers your mouth and a nose and nose and, um, and then the nebulizer emits a, emits a fine mist. The common household, 3% hydrogen peroxide available at most grocery stores and pharmacies for less than $1. Okay, you can literally do nebulizer treatments with just 3% hydrogen peroxide. Now, granted, it's not what I do ideally. I would really want you to use food grade hydrogen peroxide if you're going to take it into your lung fields. It's not exactly what I would advise if you were in a pinch, though, and you had no other options. All you could get is garbage zinc and garbage C. And just, 
garbage vitamin D3, which is what you're going to get in like a drugstore. I would still tell you to do that way more than I would do any other route. That's just all I can really say. That's me. I mean, you know, I can't say we're treating anything. Personally, that's what I'd do. That's how I'd approach it. Um, at bare minimum, even if you went the medical route, you're going to do so much better because those things are in your system and your immune system is going to be higher. And most likely, your medical outcome is going to be much, much greater. If they would, Even if they went the medical route with what they're doing, if they would get these people on the nutrients, even if they were garbage then they're still these people are still going to turn around at such a higher rate than they would if they were just using something like ventilators with no vitamins at all and whatever drugs they're using they would they do so much better because their immune system is going to be better but you could combine them you know so i give you my protocol for nebulizing the silver now i've done up to 500 part per million personally i've never suffered any ill effects i've done it several times i've had a lot of people that have taken a silver that have done it that way too i'm just saying you know um and then the the net the regarding the nebulizer recommendations i just went up on amazon and i researched for the best one that looked like i looked for price point and i looked for one that had the high stars and i found one and it's this crane rechargeable one and again i can't say i've used it personally there's not a ton up there but if you haven't got one i would get one this is something i would try to get uh going into what we're going into because you know we might be getting into a situation where you know amazon stops shipping stuff or granted i would rather you not buy it on amazon because they're pure evil you might be able to find it on eBay or some other place. but And you don't have to get this one, but it gives you some parameters to look for. It's a really nice one. It's got a lot of options. Uh, okay, now, going back to this. However, it would be better to purchase the more expensive food-grade hydrogen peroxide as it doesn't have any stabilizers in it. Yeah, especially if you're going to take it internally. Um, now, where do you get that? Well, a lot of health food stores will sell it. Um, and it'll be in the refrigerated section. If it's not, don't buy it, okay? You've got to keep it refrigerated, the food grade. Uh, which, again, for some weird... Oh, that makes sense. You don't, you, don't need the, you don't need to keep it refrigerated with the, um, with the ones in the, in the brown bottles um, that, you get in the, um, that you get in the drug stores. I just figured that out. Why? Because those have stabilizers in them. They just, he just said that. So you don't have to keep those refrigerated. Granted really not wild about taking it internally but what if we lose power what if you know your the food grade you have on hand you lose power and it all goes bad if you lose power on the on that and you have it in the refrigerator um you want to keep a close eye on it because that stuff can build up pressure if it gets heated and it can potentially explode it's in 35 percent, and that's what i buy that is some nasty stuff you better be careful because boy you get that on you and it will burn you instantly i mean it is like instantaneous i'm very cautious when i handle that stuff when i'm cutting it and diluting it it's a better alternative but there's because it doesn't have the stabilizers you you got to keep it refrigerated so something to think about okay um let's see here uh 
Stabilizers are proprietary and companies don't need to disclose them on the label. Oh boy. But some can be problematic. Typical food grade peroxide comes in concentrations higher than 3%. My, I get 35. And it will burn you. So you will need to dilute it down to 3% to use it. I, I dilute it to like 5 and it's fine. But, you know, it's, it, everybody's different. Viruses are not alive per se. They need to live in a host in which they can infect live cells that then again a lot of these people are denying viruses exist now i guess and alternative media uh they need to live in a host in which they can infect live cells and then they can replicate the viral dna and the rna once a cell is infected newly replicated viruses exit the cell and move on to the next cell to duplicate the process this is how viral infections start to take over and that's why i'm really big on when you feel something like a virus coming on typically if it's a virus like a flu you're going to start to feel achy it's going to affect the muscles more whereas if it's a cold you're going to start to feel it in your throat and in the sinuses and like a cold coming on it's a different feeling typically viruses like to get into the muscles and replicate so the most you can do at the very beginning of either a cold or a viral infection meaning loading up on the nutrients that i told you about because i don't care if it's Whatever you're dealing with, bacterial and or um, viral, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna tell you to take very, very similar nutrient patterns because you're built, you're you're building up the immune system, and silver works on both. You you load up at the beginning, and what you're doing is you're preventing that viral replication process or like the cold, the bacterial replication going on. You're going to limit that. You're going to beat it down at the beginning before it ever really gets a hold in your body. So what ultimately happens is you can pull out of it very quickly and not have a week or two where you're just not feeling good. You might be able to pull out of it in a day or two. But that's the key. You got like this 8 to 12 hour window where you can really ramp up the nutrients. Knock it out really quick. And then you save yourself all that suffering and all the pill popping that you'd have to take. Oh, let's see here. Um, so when we talk about killing a virus, we're really talking about inactivating them by breaking down their structure. This is why soap works so well. Coronaviruses are held together by a lipid fatty coating. Soap dissolves this fat membrane, causing the virus to fall apart and become harmless. More specifically, the fat-like substances in soap are structurally similar to lipids found in the virus membrane. So the soap molecules compete with and replace fats in the membrane. In doing so, the fatty glue holding the virus together dissolves. Hydrogen peroxide works in a similar way. As noted by Levy, which is one of the guys he was quoting, the way to control any viral infection is to not kill the virus. Rather, the infected cells that have been turned into viral infections must be killed. Your immune system cells actually produce hydrogen peroxide. Isn't that amazing? This is this is in part how your immune system kills cells that have been infected with a virus wow praise the lord jesus christ by killing the infected cell viral reproduction is stopped so hydrogen peroxide therapy is in essence only aiding your own immune system to perform their natural function more effectively yeah and i just i if you don't have access to a nebulizer i do like i said i do some under the tongue let it kind of absorb some lingually and i swallow it now you don't want to go nuts with that but you know that's what i do i do it like i don't i don't do it every day but like probably i try to do it every other day every third day i like to get some into my system 
Um, so anyway, I'm over way, way over on time. I didn't, sorry about doing another three parts. I'm trying to get all this information to you as quickly as I can. Cause I don't know how much more time we would have left. Uh, and God bless you and Lord willing, we will see you in the next audio.